welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Detail. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter number one. Amen. Ephesians one. We're going to pick up. Amen. And continue on in this series. And brother Josh, it's good to see you on a Wednesday night. And he's home from Bible college. And um, did you get your final card in? They're still waiting on that last grade. But he's either going to finish this his first year with straight A's or A B's, A's and B's. And I'm a, we are so proud of the work he's putting in. Amen. The Bible college. So praise God. So thankful for how God is using him and blessing him. And you know, we're not they're they're not going to an extended youth camp. Um they're they're going to learn the word of God and the ways of God and and there's a strategy to this because they're coming home and they're going to help us plan churches and help do missions work. Amen. So that's why we're, we're sending them to, to Bible college. Amen. Praise God. Ephesians chapter number one. Amen. Ephesians chapter one. And let's begin reading at verse number five. Praise God. Ephesians chapter one. And at verse five, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace amen now we do know the who and the whom we're talking about right talking about Jesus let's jump down Amen. To verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. And keying in on that verse 5, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And then verse 11 says, we have obtained, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Amen. And we're going to continue talking about the will of God tonight. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom, for the liberty that we feel in this place. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch every person under the sound of my voice, that you would anoint them, that you would use them, God, that this word would go forth in their life, that they could apply it and activate it. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would give us revelation and enlightenment. Speak to us, God, with clarity and strength in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 
God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. We're talking about the will of God and um, not to keep, you know, not to be too redundant, but we're talking about the will of God as in the, the purchase or the, the possession of God, that relationship, not just, we, we covered for two months, probably the will of God as in the plan of God. And so we're talking about the, the possession of God and that relationship that we have with him. And there are three terms, and we're approaching this from the will now, the second part of this or the back half of this Bible study. We've been talking about it, the will of God as a legal document, as a legal binding document, meaning a will and testament. So there's three um, legal terminologies that we're using here that, that you need to be familiar with that we've talked. Matter of fact, uh, since it's the end of the school year, um, your finals are tonight. How about that? I've been grading finals for the last few days, and every time I go through finals, I start thinking, this is why, this is why professors sucker in GAs to help them do all this. Amen. And to do all the grading and all, the, all that hard work. Uh, just the other day, we were on the way to district conference, and um, a few of the students were getting some of theirs in late. I mean, you talk about 11th hour. And I was getting a little mad because we had stopped and, and stocked in and we're at the mall. And I, I'm, all of a sudden, these emails come rolling in. And I'm thinking, why are they sending? Oh, that's right. They're d due in like three hours. And I thought, do th these people not know I got better things to do? And then I thought, you know, that's the kind of student I was. <laughs> if it was due Monday at midnight, it hit the box at 11.59 Sunday night. Amen. So I am reaping what I sowed. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and I never thought they thought I was just being late. I'm thinking they need to know I really proofread this, you know. That's, that's effort, you know. And uh, uh, so... So I'm going to give you a test. There's three legal terms that we've been talking about. God, who is the, 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 uh, the well, I almost said it, the one who writes out the will, we call that the what? Testator. That's right. Amen. And then that document, now the testator is the one who is giving the benefit, the blessing, the inheritance, and we write it in a document that is called the testament or the the will congratulations two out of three if y'all get this third one right we're going to eat ice cream amen on me the greek word for redemption is cadero <laughs> so now that you know you can speak greek had nothing to do with what we we're talking about so you are stuck with me for 45 more minutes, okay? <laughs> so we have the testator who is God. We have the will, which is the, the Bible, the testament, the Old Testament, and the, the, has this Bible study series opened your eyes to why we call it the New Testament and the Old Testament? Okay, now, and then we are the, beneficiaries my good give yourselves a hand you passed so far no ice cream but just know in my heart i really meant that 
<laughs> I really meant that. I'll tell you what. Last, just because y'all got that right, um, not this next week, but the following mid midweek, we're going to have dinner. Okay, we're just going to do a potluck the last midweek of this month. As a matter of fact, I'm feeling so good. This Sunday, I'm taking everybody to Chick-fil-A. And all the ladies, I'm going to take you shopping at Hobby Lobby this Sunday. That's a good idea. Is that a good idea? <laughs> Amen. I love that. Praise God. And, and so this, this should paint to us a picture of our relationship to God as he is the testator or, or another word would be benefactor. Right? He is the beneficent one. <clears throat> it's a Latin word that comes from Greek, which is bene, or yeah, actually in Italian, that's how you say good. You say bene, bene. Because it means blessing. It means good. And so that is a root word. Where, so he is a benefactor. He is a good God. He gives unto us that which we do not deserve. That which we could not earn. <clears throat> Just preparing you. I didn't raise my voice very much last night. So if you're waiting, you're not going to get a lot of that tonight. Amen. <laughs> he has been better to us than we could ever deserve or earn. He, he is, we couldn't earn his love or his favor. Brother Price used to say this all the time. He used to say, I love Jesus because he first loved me. But God loved me when there was no because. And that is agape love. That is God love. All of our love is a reciprocal love. His love is an earnest love. He doesn't need a because. I love God because he saved me. Because he forgave me. Because he healed me, filled me, washed me, cleansed me. Because he's my father, my redeemer. But God loves me. Brother Kurt, there is, there is no because to God's love. He just accepts and loves me. Just, that's it. Just, I couldn't do anything to, to make him love me. I, I exist, therefore he loves. He, he loves me so much that while, while you were being formed in the womb of your mother, before the doctor could even detect a heartbeat, he fell in love with you, and he knew you. He even knew what your name was going to be. Your parents may have struggled with your name, but God didn't. He knew what your name was going to be, and he knew you, and he, he loved you. It's very interesting um, how so many times we see science catching up with the Bible, not, not the other way around. Um. Matter of fact, I've been reading a study by Dr. Emoto, and I'm going to try not to get into that because it's so good. I'm going to try to save it for its own series. But scientists have discovered just in the last few years that, that at the moment of conception, there is a flash of light. This is a fact. It's not debatable. It's not some, you know, kooky, weird theory done in some you know, lab in the Bahamas somewhere. 
This is science fact that at conception there is a flash of light, an instant flash of light in the womb. God is light. I think that's the benefactor giving life. So if you ever wonder why we stand so firm on protecting the unborn, that's because it's God-breathed, God-ordained. It's life is beautiful. And he is the benefactor. We, we didn't, we didn't, we don't deserve his love, couldn't earn his love. Matter of fact, at my worst, he still loved me. You will be able to fall in and out of love with people, favor and relationship, but God looked at us at our worst. And the Bible said that while, and, and I know you know this, and so this is a bit remedial, but the Bible said while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how does that express his love? It doesn't just express his love, but the guy expresses the greatest love. Because Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he would what? Lay down his life. Didn't we just do that at the kids' revival too? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man... <laughs> Because that's the greatest expression of love is to lay one's life down. This is, why, this is why we should honor mothers on Mother's Day. The Bible says this is as close as a woman will ever come to death without experiencing it. When your mama says she loves you to death, she means it. <laughs> I don't know about scaring you half to death, you ever heard somebody say, you scared me half to death? You ever wonder what happens if you get scared half to death twice? And it, 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 and it doesn't matter how, how cute you are or how ugly you are. You can be so ugly, you make a freight train, take a dirt road, and your mama's going to love you. You can be so ugly, your ears grow off the side of your face to get away from you. But your mama's going to love you. Now, dads, we're going to be honest and go, mm. we'll fall in line eventually. We'll, we'll understand. I don't know too many dads, you know, we look at the baby and think, man, that's pretty amazing. But our first reaction is, really? Like, man, this thing don't need to go back in the oven a little bit. Doc, I don't think it's quite finished yet. It's supposed to, head's supposed to look like that. Amen. And, 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 and a mother's love is, it's that instant maternal instinct is, is an agape love. That, that's the Greek word for God's love. Because she loves that baby and there's no because. That baby can't add anything to her at that point in their life. And so God's, God's blessing, God being the benefactor, is not based on anything I've done. It's simply based on how good he is. 
I wish, I wish I had something more profound to say than that, but that's just how good he is. He is so good that I can't earn, I can't earn his love or his affection. It just is. Now, favor, I can walk in or out of favor with God, but his love, now that's something totally different. Your child ever mess up and, and say, I'm going to love you no matter what. Now, you're a dingbat right now, but I'm going to still love you when you do stupid stuff. I don't have to like you. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. You have looked at your kid and said, I really don't like that person right now. That, that's where parents invented the phrase, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> Amen. Because as much as we love our children, children can mess up. Ch children, children will do. Matter of fact, your kids will find. You remember, you remember your mom saying, you're getting on my last nerve? Do you know how many millions of nerves are in the human body? Do you know how many nerves you had to get through to find that one? And kids don't just find it. They tie knots in it. They jump up and down on it. it. Yeah. But you don't stop loving them. And your anger may endure for a moment. But in favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. You ever went to sent your kid to their room and you were just ticked off, but you woke up in the morning and they probably thought you were bipolar? Because you said, go to your room without eating, shut the door, don't even want to see you. And, and hey, I went to bed not getting a, being able to eat sometimes because my mom was mad. She said, especially if you didn't, if, if you had something negative to say about the food. That was an instant. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't have to. No, Mama, I'll eat the goulash. No, you know, no, no, no. It's not. It's not good enough. You go to your room. And then we felt like some kind of POW in there, shivering and shaking. <laughs> We're moments away from death. Still got a cup of Kool-Aid from earlier in our, and we're sipping on it like we got to ration it through the night. I'm seven sips from death. Wake up in the morning, mom's in there making cinnamon toast or eggs, and you, where'd this woman go? Right? Of course, dad, you were never really sure about him anyway. You know, a good dad, you always question, like, hmm, he really could take me out. So you walk the line, amen. That means you got something called R-E-S-P-E-C-T, amen. You wake up that next morning, things are, this is what David said. His anger is but a moment. In his favor, there is life. Weeping may endure for the night. But cinnamon toast and grits is coming in the morning. I 
I'm sure you've read the books or seen the films where there's some rich benefactor who is always changing their will based on the activity of a person. And they're cruel. What's that old book you read from that lady from England died a couple hundred years ago? You made me watch one of her deals. Mr. Dawsey. Yeah. Right. I'm, I, am, I am surrendering my man card to admit that. I mean, what I'm talking about, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, Lord. Guns. Football. Raw. <laughs> All right, I feel better now. <laughs> Mr. Dorsey. And they had that rich person in there. Everybody was always kissing up to that rich person because they wanted to get in there. It was that old woman, wasn't it? Who was in there? Am I thinking of another one? I've never seen another one or read the other one. And always changing their, I got to get in their wheel. I got to stay in their wheel. Always going to change the will. Always going to, you know, if this person doesn't show up to Christmas dinner, they're going to write them out of their will. You know, if this one doesn't wear the, huh? I didn't see little, oh, my mom made me watch Little Women. That's what it was. The grandma, she was psycho. Not my mom, the Little Women thing. Well, hey, my mom was a little redhead Irish woman. She had her moments. You stayed home from school, you were watching AMC, when they, we finally got cable out there, satellite. Remember missing school and having to go to your grandma's house? And it was prices Right all day long. No cartoons. There was no cartoon network. It was prices Right and Wheel of Fortune. Murder, oh, Lord, have mercy. Amen. I'm talking about the will of God. I'm on so much allergy medicine right now. I am snorting it, huffing it, puffing it, squirting it up my nose, puffing it in my lungs, eye drops, Zyrtec. Blame it on the Zyrtec. But you remember how it was any little movement, I'm going to ride them out of the wheel. And everybody's just, oh, 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 just, oh, I got to stay in the wheel of this rich relative. And anything, you blink the wrong way. You're going you're gonna to be rode out of there. God's not like that. God does not give you the benefit of salvation based on goodness. He gives you the benefit, the blessing of salvation based on his grace. You're not going to earn salvation from God. Don't work like that. It's given. We were leaving the hotel yesterday, and uh, when I get to the hotel, we got there Monday afternoon, we get to the hotel, I'm always looking for the... Uh, for a Bible. I'm just, I just want to see they're there. It makes me feel like I'm in America. You know, I find a Gideon's Bible. And I didn't see one. I looked up in the top of the closet. And I thought, well, there it is. And I got closer and it was blue. And I know Gideon's Bibles are red or green. 
And I looked and I, and I pulled, I said, that's a blasted Book of Mormon. What's this world coming to? I mean, one of the two science fiction religions, them and Scientologists. And if it seems like I'm being very critical, I am. You have to suspend so much common sense to believe any of that. Like Scientology, that's just weird. They just, what, like the 70s or 50s came up with that. And, and then, and then uh, Mormonism isn't far behind it. And I pulled it down and, and, and it bothered me. I actually sat on the coffee table. And then yesterday before we were leaving, we're trying to get out the door because um, some, some genius, not to be named, left their allergy medicine. And so we had to go to Target before the service yesterday morning to go get some more Zyrtec. And that sounds like a religion, don't it? First Church of Zyrtec. And so we're trying to get out the door. My wife's got the luggage cart, you know, and she's holding the door open. And I, I'm asking, I said, you got a pen? She said, I don't got a pen. I'm digging through my back, and I find a pen, and I open up the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Because I got to thinking, somebody, somebody's going to be at the Fairfield Inn Marriott in Modesto in room 219, and they just might be at a crisis point in their life. And I don't want them read, reading that demonic book. But if they do, hopefully they start with page one, because that's where I started writing She'd tell you, I did. I sat in there wrote. She's like, come on, let's go. We're going to be late. Hold on. I am doing the father's business. <laughs> we went to Starbucks. We killed two birds, one stone. She got Starbucks at Target, and I got Zyrtec. And I, I wrote in there. Because, see, in, in the book of 2 Nephi, chapter 25, and verse 23, it says, after having done all that you can do through your works, then are you saved by grace. See, that's all that the Mormon religion hangs on, is works is how you're saved. So on the very, oh, hallelujah, on the very first page, I said, this book is a lie written by demons. If you want to go check it out, it's in 219, Fairfield Inn, Marriott, first exit of Salida as you get in Modesto. Go up the stairs, first door on the right. This book is a lie given or dictated to by demons. This book says you are only saved by works. But the Bible, which is the truth of God, says in the book of Ephesians, for we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Your salvation has already been paid for. See John 3.3, 3, John 3.5, Acts 2.38. And then I wrote our church website on there for more questions. Now, if they call the church mad about somebody graffiti in their book, you just tell them, you don't know what, tell them there's just some crazy people go to this church. Them. We got some people with issues that go to this church and they like to write in books sometimes. Now, 
Amen. Maybe we need to get some stickers that we can stick in all them Book of Mormons at hotels. A QR code. They can get the truth. Find the truth. You just open the, uh, what's that box? It's got the little clown that pops out. You just open the jack in the box. The prize is this. Follow this. Acts 2.38. Amen. And, and, and so they teach that salvation is based on works. Listen, we cannot fall into the trap of salvation being by works. Nor can we fall into the trap that we get inheritance from God based on works. Now, I know I'm getting in some, you know, some, for some of y'all, this is theological thin ice. But we, we don't get blessing uh, or, or the inheritance based on our goodness. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Because if my works could earn the grace of God, I don't need God. Amen. Nor does that give me a get-out-of-jail-free card to go sin and do everything my flesh wills to do. Amen. And so we have to obey the word of God to receive the inheritance, but that is not the same as earning it. Does it make sense? Amen. You're not going to earn it because you worked your way into heaven. You're going to obey your way into heaven. Now, we don't believe salvation by works. That's a heresy. But we believe that when you are saved, works are going to start happening. By the prompting of teaching God's word and following the Holy Ghost. If somebody's been going to church five years and they ain't changed, one of two things is wrong. They're not going to a church, number one. Or number two, they're going to a church but they're not willing to be saved yet because the word of God is going to change us. It's going to change us if we follow his word. Amen. And so the benefactor is giving us the benefit. He's given us the blessing or the inheritance based solely on his goodness and not based on my works. I can't drive that home enough. I can't drive that home enough. We got to be careful because sometimes we'll get messed up with it. We'll think, well, if I'm good enough, God will love me more. You can't make God love you more. It'd be impossible for God to love you more. He already loves you as much as he can ever love you. So we understand that, that it is, this is what the rich young ruler, remember we talked about this last week. The rich young ruler came in and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life as if there were some works that he could do. Jesus said, well, you know the law. And he starts rattling them off and the guy said, hey, I'm, I'm good to go. I, I do all that. He said, yeah, but you lack one thing. Sell all you own and give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow after me. And then he went away weeping because he had too many great possessions. He didn't understand it's not about what he gave up. That's not what it was about. It was not about what you give up to serve God. I, I, I really don't like that phrase, and I've tried to take it out of my vocabulary. Oh, I, I gave up stuff to be to follow Jesus. Really? You gave up alcohol to follow Jesus? Because you were doing so good with it, right? 
You gave up a crack pipe to follow Jesus? Right? I mean, listen to the way we said, I gave it up. I gave, as if it had value. That's the funny thing. Listen to the way we talk. Like it has value. No animal value. If it had value, you would have kept it. If your addiction had value, you'd have kept it. Uh, but until it loses value, you're not going to give it up. You're not going to give your sin up until it doesn't have value anymore. The moment you look at it and say, you're worthless to me. I need something to help. Then you start Matter of fact, this is what Paul said. This is what Paul said. Now, I think it's funny because it was several years ago when uh, Pastor Birch came from Texas and Pastor Hurst was here. They started talking about, you know, when I was, oh, when Pastor was, oh, when he was a young man. Y'all remember that? He's, they said, oh, he was being pursued uh, by the Boston Red Sox and, and the St. Louis Cardinals, the Atlanta Braves. And some of y'all were looking at me going, him? Him? Y'all was, matter of fact, y'all were coming to me after church going, I didn't know that because I don't talk about it. You want to know why? It don't mean nothing to me. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I'm not a fan of, of people running around starting ministries based on what they gave up. I gave up a great football career to preach the gospel. Jack, you couldn't even start on the flag football team. I was almost this professional baseball player. I gave it up to preach the God. Really? Not me. I felt like Paul. It's a pile of dung. Paul said, my education, my training, my knowledge, my wisdom, my intellect, he said, I counted it but dung for the sake of Christ. Until you can count your sin as dung, you can't pursue Christ. Amen. That didn't cost anything. That was free. I mean, that, that, that was free. You, you got to get to the point where the pursuit of Christ is the greatest thing in your life. And no matter what you have to put in the waste to pursue him, it has no value to me. As long as your career has more value than a prayer life or that relationship has more value than salvation, you will always be struggling with it. But the, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. But the moment you realize a dead man has no will, you don't hear the, Look, I drove a hearse. I worked at the funeral home, and I would drive that hearse. And uh, I never one time had a dead person sit up and go, hey, hang a left here. It's a shortcut. If they did, I'd have jumped out and left it rolling. <laughs> I said, you going to be dead soon. <laughs> I've taken wrong turns to the cemetery, which is quite embarrassing when the hearse is almost late for the funeral. But not one time has the, has the body corrected me and said, you should have went this way. It was really bad traffic in Texas, Canada, eight cars at a red light. 
my wife would call home around Christmas and my wife, my mom would be complaining. There's so much traffic around here. People moving in. From, of course, I had to interpret for my wife. That's a, my wife would put her on speakerphone and be like, help me. Because her accent's so thick. And, I'm, and, I'd, and I'd, tra- I'd, I'd be able to like sing, sign language. Addison's got a little friend from the Texarkana area where I'm from. And she called her on the phone. And, and I don't even remember her name. She was talking to her. And she's like, what's it like in California? And Addie's going, what? She said, what's it like in California? She said, huh? And I said, she wants to know what it's like where you live. See, I'm bilingual. I, sp- I speak English and, and country. Amen. She wants to know what it's like where you live. And she, oh, Addie, oh, it's beautiful. Right? I mean, she had just been, you know, we were there like the day before. So, oh, we got mountains on one side of us. Y'all call them hills. These are mountains. We're calling them hills or mountains. Where I come from, we'd have parachuted off of them. That's why God didn't place mountains in East Texas. There would be no population of men. We'd all die. You know the famous last words of a redneck are, don't you? Hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> so we got mountains over here. And then we got, we've got to... Uh, the ocean's only about 30 minutes away, 45 minutes. And she's telling her about it. And, and Addie, Addie says to her, well, what's it like where you live? And I'm thinking, you were just, we're, we're here now. She says, what's it like where you? And that little girl goes, we got woods. <laughs> Almost wrecked the car. <laughs> she said, we got woods. Amen. So I'd interpret for my mom. She's complaining about traffic. My wife, my wife was like, traffic condition? Go over Richmond Road, that stupid red light over there. Had about 15 cars backed up, and we're sitting in three hours of a parking lot on Interstate 80 going, oh, that must be terrible. Oh, I hate that for you. My mom said, what'd she say? It ain't good, mama. Amen. It's, it's the goodness of God that we have in here. Let me share two scriptures with you before we... Actually, let, let's, jump, let's jump to John 14. I've got to try to at least keep up with where we were last night. John 14 and 1, um, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That's a, you know what? We ought to wake up saying that. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. This were not so. I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place. for. Now, I'm not going to reteach all of this, but it is part of where I'm going now. Um, I grew up thinking. Now, listen, I want to I preface it. If you believe this, that's fine. This is not a salvific issue. It's not a heaven or hell issue. It's, you know, people have their own opinions. But I truly grew up thinking that when we get to heaven, there's going to be mansions all over the place. And, and I even still love the Dottie Rambo song. Every once in a while, I'll still sit down on the piano and hammer it out. Just build my mansion. Next, 
That is not what he's talking about. They told us, you know, when you get the Holy Ghost, our Sunday school teacher, she was, you know, bless her heart. She was, when you get the Holy Ghost, God starts construction on your mansion, and then you get baptized. Get the, the angel takes a pen and writes your name in gold and puts it over the top of that house, and we were like, yes. What's our mansion going to be like? Whatever you can dream of. Are you serious? Because I can dream of some pretty cool stuff. A water slide to the toilet. <laughs> a jacuzzi the size of a football field. All of, if you, yes, you can have that match. Then the older guy got to think, wait a second, why, why, you know, why am I going to need a bedroom if I don't sleep in my new body? Right? Start thinking of all these things. Of course, you get studying it and, and, we take that word mansions to mean like the nice side of town, you know, up in the valley area, Paul, here with all these mansions. It's not what he said. The word mansions there means abode, spiritual abode. Now, talking about, what are we going to be up there with mansions for? We're going to be down here ruling and reigning with him on the earth. I, again, you know, my, my dad and I were talking about, he was talking about his mansions, and I just said, oh, have your mansion. Amen. We sing a song called Build Me a Cabin in the Corner of Glory Land. I remember hearing that song thinking, why in the world do you want a cabin? I've grown up in the woods in a cabin all my life. Give me that mansion. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind a cabin if I'm going to be on the backside of glory, you know, my, you know, take a vacation from the vacation of eternity. I mean, it's like, where do people that live in Destin, Florida go on vacation, right? You got this mansion, but we won't be down here ruling the rain. It's not what he said. He said, and if you'll keep that scripture up there, Sister Livy, I'm going to land on this one. He, he says, I go to prepare you a place. I go to prepare a place for you. No, he says, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If you'll give me verse 3, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive. Now, I remember them preaching this, and I mean, I'd just get, this is the coolest thing. Wow, and they would say things like, if God could create the earth in six days, imagine how great heaven's going to be. He's had 2,000 years to build it. And I'd think, man, that's a pretty good point. Well, wait a second, it was already built. John the Revelator saw it. <laughs> he said, I go, now this is important because we're talking about our inheritance. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. Where was he going? To prepare a place for what? Well, you got to put it into context. Because John 14, the whole chapter is about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not about big buildings in heaven. It's talking about the Baptist. He goes, I'm going to go prepare you a place, and I will come again. Where is this place? Calvary, maybe? I'm going to go prepare you a place and receive you unto me, that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you that where I am, you're going to be able to be there too. Was Jesus in heaven standing inside of a big 
25,000 square foot mansion. He was standing right there looking at it. Next verse, if you would. Let's put this in a context. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And then look at verse 5, because uh, Thomas, and we give Thomas a hard time, but you got to admit, this was a pretty trippy statement. I want to go prepare you a place in my father's house or many mansions. They're tripping out. And so Thomas says, Lord, <laughs> we, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? Oh, I love verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I'm going to some of us oneness get, we get a little too uncomfortable anytime we see the Father word in there. Oh, man, we're, oh, we're not talking about three persons. No, it shouldn't confuse you. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. So what is Jesus talking about up to this point? A place he's going to what? Prepare. That where he is, you can be there. Thomas goes, I don't know the way, and I don't know how to get there. Jesus looks at him and goes, duh. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the. So where is Jesus then? Go to the next verse. If you had known me, you should have known my father. And from henceforth, you know him. And you have seen him. Go to the next verse. Now Philip starts tripping. Lord, I show us the Father. And I will be satisfied. Hmm. Now, are we, now are we talking about a cabin in the corner of Glory Land? Or are we talking about a spiritual place? Thomas says, I can't go unless you show me the way. And I don't know the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. Why would Jesus be bringing the Father into all this if he's talking about houses? Because he's not. He's talking about relationship. He's not talking about residence. He's talking about relationship. Well, Joe's father will be satisfied. Look at what Jesus says. How long have I been with you? And yet thou hast not known me? He that hath seen the Father, he that seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? In other words, he looked at Philip and he said, you're looking at him. And when I go prepare you a place, you're going to be where I am right now. Wait a minute, but where are you? Go to the next verse. <laughs> where are you, Jesus? I'm right here in the Father. And the Father is in me. Because the words I speak, I don't speak of myself. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. you got the King James up there. You can just stick your tongue between your teeth and talk. The He said, you see me, you see the Father. The words I speak are not my words. They're the words of the Father that dwells in me. He does the work. Next verse. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. So where is Jesus? He's in the Father. Well, then the, the, the question that begs to be asked now would be, 
Well, if Jesus is in the Father, where's the Father? Oh, he's in Jesus. So when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, I go to prepare you a place that where I am, you may be also. What he was saying is, I'm about to take a trip up a hill called Golgotha, and I'm going to die on an old rugged cross. And there, with three nails and two pieces of wood, I'm going to build a way for you to get in relationship with the Father like I am to where you are in him and he is in you. Hallelujah. Well, if you don't believe what I say, he said, well, just believe me for my work. Lazarus, you around here anywhere? Next verse. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that believeth on me. We're talking about works now, right? Boy, we shout about this one. I don't know how many times I've heard this preach. Great works have I done, but greater than these shall you do. Well, he said it. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these, because I go into the, my Father. Next verse. And whosoever and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me just pause right here and say, this is the point of the inheritance. Because the Father could not have fellowship with humanity because of our sin and brokenness and wickedness. So what does God do? He prepares himself a body. He overshadows a teenage girl by the name of Mary. And she gives birth to Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. His name shall be called Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. Jesus is God made manifest in flesh. Jesus comes in as the propitiation, Paul said, that is the sacrifice or the payment. He steps Thanks again in for joining us says, for this podcast. It's such an yeah, honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected you with you, and so him. give He's us a follow holy. on our social media pages on Facebook he can't or Instagram. You can find all of those because on you're our website sinful. at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with so us the only through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so Dies until on the, the cross, next time, we pray you're His blood to redeem us from sin fills us with his spirit, takes me by the hand, and reaches up and pulls us together. Amen. Now, don't get freaked out about this. Well, wait a second. Now, is that three persons? It's one. If you don't got that yet, you don't read your Bible enough. It's one. It's not three persons. It's one. He said, here's you some Bible. For we, if we sin, we have what? An advocate with. It trips some people out that we just don't take the Father out of everything. Well, it's all, it is all in Jesus. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Christ bodily. But that does not negate the Father. That's a stated place of relationship. And Jesus said, 
you couldn't do that until I go prepare you a place that where I am, you can be also. Where are you, Jesus? In total unity with the Father. I'm going to get you to a point Whereas I say, I and the Father are one, you're going to be able to say, I and the Father are one. Because he is in you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you are in him through the effectual work of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, you know what? Let's just go to verse 15. Because we're just on it right now. Might as well. Just put this in your little sanctified teacup and just sip on this a while. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, verse 15. Because this is the whole point of everything. If you love me, if you love me, speak in tongues. If you love me, shout and run the aisles with fast music. If you love me, show up to church three times a week. That's part of it. But he said, if you love me, keep my command. So if you're still confused on whether the Father and the Son are two persons, um, it was the Father who gave the commandments to Moses. But he said they were my commandments. How could he say that? Because he's one. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. See that big C? That's, a, that's, that's identifiable that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, I'm going to be going through these. Uh, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be, verse 18, he's going to be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I'm going to send the third person of the Godhead to you. Oh, he didn't say that? I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the stepchild of the Father. Oh, I will come to you. You remember why the comforter had a big C on it? Because it was identifying a person of relationship. I will come to you next verse. Yet in a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also, verse 20. At that day ye shall know that what? I am in my Father. You are in me. And I am in you. Well, pastor, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China and the will of God? I'll tell you what's got to do with it. Because the Bible said Christ made you an heir. Christ took you and said, come here. Remember how we talked about last week being an alien? cut off did we talk about that last week being cut off we weren't citizens of this we were a foreign people Christ took his blood and he covered us he put his name on us and he got us 
Paul said he grafted us in, but he also made us a joint. He pulled us in and said, now I am the heir of God. But guess what? I'm going to be the firstborn among many brethren too, so come here. And he pulled us in and he made us a joint heir to the inheritance of God, to the children of God. It's all right here. That's why we got to get in this book. Two more scriptures. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me, let me leave you with this. Everybody say inheritance. So the Holy Ghost leads us, guides us into all truth, right? The Holy Ghost brings us into, see, the Bible said comforter. He will be our comfort. The, the Bible says he is our counselor. The Holy Ghost, our counselor. We used to sing the old song, he's a great consolator, he's consolator, he's counseling me. How many has ever been to court before? <laughs> I've been at court, but I never had to be in court, if you get what I'm saying. I mean, I went to traffic court, if that counts. But when you go to court, you show up with an attorney. Or not. What's that they teach in law school? I can't remember who it was that said it. If anyone who represents himself has a fool for a client. You don't want to get no jailhouse lawyer to come represent you. Some dude just been sitting there reading law books in the library for 20 years. No, you want the guy that, that studied and got his degree. That knows the law inside and out. As a matter of fact, the judge will rarely speak to the plaintiff or the, the, plaintiff or the defendant. The judge will speak to the counselor. The attorney's called a counselor. He will say, counselor, how does, your, how does your client plead? Guilty or not guilty? Boy, if I'm ever in that position, I can't wait. I'm going to go, I plead the blood. <laughs> just, I just want to see what they say. <laughs> Hope to God I'm never in that position, though. The judge will say, counselor, how does your client, how does he plead? And the counselor will respond for the defendant. The Holy Ghost is your counselor. The Bible says the Holy Ghost, this is why you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's your counselor. It guides you. It leads you into all truth. And even when you don't know what to say, Romans 8 said the counselor will talk for you. When you don't even know what to pray, the counselor will pray for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. The counselor as you are reading the word of God, will lead you and guide you because the counselor is the attorney over your shoulder going, yep, yep, that's for you. That's you. It's talking about you right there. You can do that. You can have that. You can be that. You can go, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You probably should back off that one. Okay, yeah, 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 for you. That, that, that's for you. Yes, yes, yes. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It's your counselor while you're reading the will. You can believe that. It's true. It's right. You'll even listen to somebody preach and the Holy Ghost go, nope. He's a dingbat. Or the Holy Ghost in you go, ooh, yes, that's it, that's it. The counselor will, the counselor will tap you on the shoulder and go, yes, 
Yes, claim that. Claim that. That's for you. That's for you. How are you going to know your inheritance without a counselor? How are you going to know your inheritance? You, you need to get someone who's familiar with the will and testament. You need to get the one who is the will and testament. For in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Amen. That's who you need as your. Maybe give me Proverbs 13 and 22. Brother Garz, if you'll come give us hope. Proverbs 13, 22. Look, look, look at what the wisest man said. He said a good man. Everybody say a good man. Leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Did you catch that? A good man, the word good man, same, it's the same connotation of a righteous man when it says in, in Psalms, for the steps of a good man are ordered, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. A righteous man, a good man, leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. Boy, it almost sounds like something I heard in the book of Acts. For this promise an inheritance is a promise. A promise is an inheritance. For this inheritance is unto you and to your children, to your children's children. Because a righteous man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost. God has spread it down through the generations. It's still for us today. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. Verse 7. Matthew 7. And, let's go to Matthew 7 and 7. You're, you're going to recognize this. Amen. Chapter 7 verse 7. Must be, you know, if you're into numbers, there you go, seven and seven. You always got those people, send me $7.77. If you do it, you deserve to lose $7.77. Be following them hucksters. Just leave it alone. Anytime you see somebody asking money and they say, sow a seed and it's for $22.22. Go, he's a prophet. P-R-O-F-I-T. He's a pathetic prophet. Amen. Ask and it shall be given to you. Wow. Seek and you shall find. Knock. I don't understand where we're getting this God that doesn't answer prayer. Ask, it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it what? That's not even really, I mean, that's the good part, but here's a gooder part. Go to verse number nine. Someone look at somebody and say, this is gooder. What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread will give him a stone? Verse 10. Or if he ask a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Verse 11. If ye then being evil. Now I looked up that word evil. 
I tried to get something like in the Greek, evil just means like, you know, somebody that's good but just don't have the whole, you know, it means evil. It's what it means. It means of sinful nature. If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your, the word gifts there is the same word for inheritance. If you know how to give good gifts and inheritance to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Wow. You've got an inheritance. Jesus said, if you be an evil know how to give bread instead of a stone and fish instead of a serpent if you being evil can discern to be that good how much better is your father which is in heaven going to give you an inheritance won't you stand with me tonight drive this into our spirit I want to drive this into our spirit. It is the goodness of God. God is, he's not a sadist. God is not mean. He's not vindictive. If you ask him according to his will, it shall be done. Prayers that don't get answered are prayers that are not prayed according to this will. If you can't make payments on your Toyota Camry, stop asking God for a private jet. You're not in the will. What does this mean for me? It means you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and let the counselor, which is the Holy Ghost, counsel you in the word and in the will of God. Oh, hallelujah. You need to get in your spirit and in your heart I pray a renewed passion and fire to crack open this sacred book and not just thank God that we've got the app, thank God we have a Bible reading program, but I am talking about even above and beyond that. You need to open this book with prayer and say, God, open my understanding. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding of this book. Give, give, give me revelation that when I read this book, it becomes alive to me. And I begin to know it and I begin to understand it because in this you will know the will of God concerning your life. Would you lift your hands right now and just begin to pray that right now. Hallelujah. Open the eyes of my understanding. Open the eyes of my understanding in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I don't want to just read this book as a formality or just as a document, 
but Lord, I want to know you through your word. I want to know you through your word, through the purpose of your word. That's it. Go ahead and let the Holy Ghost strengthen you right now. In the name of Jesus, let your counselor tell you, amen, you're not guilty. Let your counselor tell you, this is the purpose and the plan and the will of God for your life. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, that's it. Go ahead and pray in the spirit for a moment. Let him strengthen you right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Oh God, awaken and renew within us. Oh God, that passion and that understanding. Lord, I pray that when we get in your word, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will begin to give us revelation and understanding and purpose. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let him fill you fresh right now with his spirit. Let him strengthen you through the bread of life, which is the word of God.